Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And this is episode 14. How are you doing? I, uh, pretty tired, man. Yeah, I think that's a, a theme. Yeah, I, I know I've said that another week, but it's not any less true today. It's really just a coincidence. You know, we, do, we record on Sundays, and Sunday's the day we do, or I do anyway, like, but lately, we've been doing our biggest ride. Yeah, and then when we were doing the group rides, that's on Sundays too. So it's yeah. usually, it's usually going to be where you're putting out the most effort. Yeah, at least well, we are. Weekend warriors, maybe. I mean, I get to ride during the week. I'm so not, I don't do anything with it, but uh, you know, I, I get to ride during the week too. That's true. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the socials. How can people find us? Yeah, they can find us at uh, Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. Awesome. Slight uh thing about that. I just figured out how to use Twitter properly. Oh, yeah? So I was, like, having our Instagram post post to Twitter also. And I was like, I mean, I know don't expect that many people to be following us or doing anything. But I was like, should be a little something. Doesn't work that way. You gotta post, like, the picture or whatever you want. And then do the hashtags on Twitter. Mm. Because this week I started doing it. Yeah. And people were like, oh, so-and-so liked it. So-and-so retweeted it. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I, I wasted, you know, several weeks of not of good pictures and quality content. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, you're really letting us down. <laughs> you got to learn. No, that's the best part. Like, part of the reason we did this is, like, A, we talk about cycling anyway. A, B, we can learn a new skill. And C, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. That's probably the A, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you threw a couple A's in there, so. <laughs> yeah, a couple extra. I just, A's are nice. <laughs> Uh, I'm an A-man. What can I say? Me too. All right. And also, in our show notes, we'll have links to our Strava pages if you really feel the urge to follow us for some reason. Uh, and a real quick correction at the top of this episode. Uh, last week, I kept saying Morkov was on Sunweb. I looked it up. Never on Sunweb. <laughs> uh, I think where I was getting confused was he was on SaxoBank. And obviously, I liked SaxoBank because it canceled Aura. But I think with him, he was he had won the national jersey for what, sweden or whatever and so it's like a big red i'm gonna have to check that it may not even be from sweden uh, oh it's not because sweden i'm pretty sure is like blue and yellow and which one is it um with the big plus i thought that was a uh, swiss yeah switzerland swiss sweden all the same all of this is gonna need to be fixed yeah anyway his championship jersey looked very similar to the sunweb jersey of today but back then someone wasn't even a team i don't think like no. giant Shimano or something. Yeah, team skill or whatever it was, skill uh, saw. Team uh, uh, football official. They look like, uh, remember when they had like the Foot Locker uniforms? Oh. They're all black and white. And yeah. Like, they look like refs. Anyway. Let's get to the stats of the week. Oh, dude, you beat me to it. All right. <laughs> Strava! Stats of the week! Stats, man. You're not going to get me on that one. Tried. I look forward to that every week. <laughs> All right, well, let's start with, uh, I guess we'll start with me anyway. Uh, I, so close. 99.1 miles. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, uh, I wasn't giving you the bump. No, I didn't deserve it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, 3,800 feet of climbing. So, pretty good week, but I'm improving. Yeah, I was uh, about 194 uh, miles and 6,200 feet of climbing. Nice. Yeah, it was a good week for you. Yeah, I feel like I'm fully recovered. I don't know if I had said before, I was 
trying to figure out my allergies and they were just brutal some of the last few weeks and this last week or so is I'm not like feeling it at all anymore. So that's, that's good. Been really nice. Power of the Tui. True. Glad that uh, you are breathing well. It is an important thing to do on the bike. Yeah. Well, let's get right into our ride of the week. For us, it's going to be this today's ride. We ended up doing a metric century, so about 62, 63 miles around over to and around Fountain Hills. It's a, a town that's just outside of Phoenix, a little bit east on the way to like going up to the mountains or something. So uh, it's a pretty, ex you know, it's an exclusive neighborhoods, but a lot of hills and there's a fountain in the middle of it. That's why it's called Fountain Hills. Which we didn't go by. No. Well, last time we went, it wasn't even on. Yeah. So we got pictures. We took, you know, our bike photo for the ride last time, like in front of the fountain and there's just no water. It was pretty it's a little bad. sad. So now we got like one in front of a, a descent sign. Yeah. Yeah. Even better. We got a few, but I mean, today though, aside from a little bit of wind in every direction, beautiful perfect perfect weather and just so clear and yeah and really nice out it was like a little cloudy i mean someone could say partly cloudy and i think the high today is gonna be like 72 or something yeah those like big fluffy white clouds like oh yeah little marshmallows very nice yeah it was pretty dope so this ride ended up being like we said 100 uh, kilometers 60 miles and ended up being around 3,000 feet so not a not a bad day in the saddle no i mean most of the climbing it starts out with kind of an an easy gradient. Most of it's two or three. Picks up when you hit uh, Dynamino Rio Verde, and then it's a long descent. I think it's about nine miles. Yeah, the segment on Strava going the other direction is called Nine Mile Climb. So, yeah, it's nine miles. Literally couldn't be straighter and just a consistent 3% downhill or whatever. Yeah. With lots of assholes and cars. Yeah. So not not the greatest descent. You have a very tiny shoulder and really impatient drivers. Yeah, the bike lane, I don't know why they always do that. The bike lane will be there and then it picks back up. And then when you make your turn to go down south towards Fountain Hills, there's a bike lane there the whole time. And so yeah, they just repaved it, like almost. Like half of it's repaved. I don't know. It just, to me, it's like you have these, all these areas before it, after, and connecting. It's just like make it one solid thing. So. Yeah. It's safe to use. Well, nine miles is a lot of asphalt, and they don't want to spend the money. Yeah, of the three extra feet or whatever we would need on the side. Yeah. But yeah, so kind of in honor of what today is supposed to be Paris-Roubaix, I will say one of my favorite races in cycling. Got me into the classics. I remember watching, I think it was 2008, 2009, you know, watching uh, Cancellara and and everything it was i didn't know much about these riders at the time i just liked cancellara he just had like huge legs and just was always on the front doing stuff and the tour or whatever so i just he was my first favorite rider and um so i just always wanted him to win and yeah Perry bay has always been a cool race and like unfortunately you know you would see like in the news or like they'd be prepping for Perry bay and they'd always talk and have photos of muddy Perry bays and all these things yeah and still never seen one nope I mean, and there was the potential for it this year, yeah. but without it, and it didn't happen either way. No. So, but yeah, so we wanted to kind of do a good ride. I wanted to do something long and, you know, kind of turned into, there's no cobbles whatsoever, but it was a kind of, there's a lot of shitty roads. So, yeah, not, nowhere near as bad, but 
yeah, a little windy, and we wanted to do something kind of fun today and, and make a long ride. So it was a, it was a pretty good ride overall. I was a little bit tired right in the middle. There's this, like, a lot of wind today. I don't know what it was, and it was in every direction we rode, but um, it was like these hills that are, like, up and down, like rollers, and just, like, crosswinds, and, like, I, I kind of just got really tired right there. You should have uh, went back into the archives and seen how to ride hills and, yeah. and different types. You know, I was actually thinking about that, so, you know, it wasn't completely wasted content. I did actually try to pace my thing, but... When you're windy and it's hard to be consistent, and I was shifting better. That was always one of my problems. Now, in some of this stuff, we got to like 18% gradients of this area in <laughs> Fountain Hills I'd never been in. And we kind of found this new route that kind of takes us off the main drag, so you don't have to go on the busy street. And it ended up working out perfectly, and it's a really cool spot. But there is this 18% hill, and I was so tired by then. It was, was tough. Like, it, it was long, too. What's not? It's not a short climb. Yeah, the 18% is only at the very end, but... The rest of it's like 11 or 13%, and it's it's a pretty good climb. I didn't look at it on the Strava, but it's it was long. And at that point, I had already done a couple thousand feet, and I was just kind of tired. Yeah, we were like 40, 45 miles in at that at that point. Yeah. I mean, and the guy you were riding with just totally left you <laughs> to go chase some people down. <laughs> I know. That's all right. That's who you are. And like I, like I told you, I was a little bit like, I don't want to ride with you anymore. Like I was just having a rough time at that exact moment. And so, yeah. I was like, man, I got to do all this by myself. Like, what happened to my domestique? Like, you were working great for a while, and then you just said, like, a long like, while, dude. You did a lot of work today. I'll give it. I'll give it to you. No, I, I had told you coming in, I had felt good, and I had kind of built myself up towards this for like to the end of the week. So yesterday I went lighter, and Friday I just went like 10, 12 miles on the gravel bike. So yeah, it was, well, I think Thursday you did like fifty or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I think. Um, you know, what a difference a week makes. Because last week, you were... Oh, I was shitty. shit. I yeah. was shit. <laughs> I looked good comparison. Yeah. You know, which is not a good sign. Like, you know, you ride on average 130 to 150 miles a week, and I ride like... You're almost two every week. Under 100. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for us to be comparable in that regard just shows that you're having an off week or whatever. Yeah. I felt pretty good today. I just kind of... We probably were a little bit aggressive at the beginning, and... Most of the climbing feet was in the first half, so yeah, uh, I was okay with it. And then I kind of got a little worried there in the middle. But it's one of the things we were talking about is I get worried that I'm gonna blow myself up and I'm not gonna be able to make it back or you know whatever. And so, but it is good to really push myself, which these rides do. I'm getting there. One day it I'll be able comes, to do comes a, along a real century, real century with the A group, dude. <sighs> What's the year? 2022 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bridge too far yeah well let's get into our topics then it kind of something we could use today is uh, we want to actually talk about recovery i know I, i've been pushing for it i just couldn't do it to you like you were distress and like the bloodshot eyes like you just couldn't handle it anymore i was like i gotta let him talk about recovery I, it's obviously it's the most fun thing that everyone wants to talk about and do no i just you know we talked about it. I, I like to get it get it out there if i mention it I'm going to do it. So you're a man of your word. Exactly. All right. Your word is your bond. That's what people say. <laughs> I don't think anyone says that. I do. Not about me. I mean, people in general <laughs> yeah. might say that. Yeah, so recovery. Why is it important? You know, like, what do you end up doing? There's a lot of topics, you know. Everyone understands why recovery is important, but it's a topic to explore. Like, I always want to see if I can do something better. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of I looked at a few articles and... 
thankfully a lot of it, it was kind of things that we're already doing. Uh, I broke it down just into five pieces or a couple steps that you could take. And one of these, I mean, we're following along with, with the steps, hopefully, if we're going to recommend it or say it. Yeah. But was cool down spin at the end of the ride. Yeah, we did that today. <clears throat> Part and, of the reason why I didn't get 100 miles, but <laughs> who's counting? Yeah. And so for me, in order to not push myself, just turn off the Garmin. Like, yeah, you are a, uh, a, what I would refer to as a Garmin whore, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I got to get my stats in, so it's... But yeah, so turn off the Garmin, last mile, uh, just kind of spin out. It's going to, you know, f flush everything out. It's going to get the blood kind of flowing in there. And so that you're just not quite, quite as stiff and tightening up as, as you could be if you... For us, we got we drove to the starting point. So, like, we were going to get back in the car and just... That would have been, you know, the worst you could do. Yeah, we did a ride a couple years ago and ended up being probably the hardest ride I'd ever done at the time. And it was like 60-ish miles, but it ended up being like over 4,000 feet and it was hot. And like, we were both like bonked at the end of that ride. And then at the time I had a car that was a manual, my legs were just screaming. And I get in the car and like, you know, reading this article about lactic acid and what it does, like hindsight I, I understood what happened but you know we got off the bike basically just like put the car the bikes up and then just got right in the car and drove off and like trying to switch gears and like push in the clutch eh, it hurts so bad yeah i was loving not having to drive <laughs> that day yeah but no so we kind of learned from that and like you know did we've been doing more cool down spins and you kind of i guess i kind of got the idea or copied or emulated like you know you see the pros after a race they'll get on the trainer and spin out for a while and like i was like you know what i'm not going to bother researching this but if they do it it's obviously got to be something exactly I do. well yeah because i mean none of this stuff is things that we just came up with i mean, everyone's doing it but it's a good quick little guide to follow yeah i know it's tough you like you want to push it and then you push it right to the house or wherever and then you know it's easy just to clip out and you know, get in your car and have some water or whatever and you know it is good to kind of just take that last mile i think when we first started doing it it was just like around my neighborhood two blocks or something but like yeah we progressed from there and it is it makes a lot of sense so getting yeah. that lactic build up and kind of cooling off as as it is so i think next the step two and three can kind of be done in either order really um but Next, I'm kind of listed as nutrition, hydration, and protein to me. And another thing that we'd already done, we kind of call it recovery water, is uh, like a seltzer water we make with milk and magnesia. There's, I'll put on the quick little easy recipe for that. But basically just getting magnesium back into your system, um, which is also helping with the lactic acid and, and your sleep eventually as well too. Yeah. Well, the, the key being is when you're sweating all day, like you're leaching out all those electrolytes. Everyone already knows about sodium and other things, right? Potassium and all these electrolytes, but magnesium is a key one that you don't always get enough of, right? So if you're a very active person, if you're lifting weights, hiking or whatever, you're using up magnesium more than the average person. And so you either need to be eating a lot of magnesium-rich foods, which potatoes, avocados, sort of the staples of our diets anyway, but, you know, it's a key nutrient along with potassium that I personally focus a lot of my, my cooking based around. Yeah, and things. it's not necessarily in everything that you eat. So 
I just always prefer to kind of do something like that to make sure I'm getting enough. Yeah, the recovery water has always been pretty good. Like, I kind of go with this approach where if it tastes good, then I probably need it. Yeah. And sometimes recovery water doesn't taste very good. I'm like, you know what? I don't need it today. But some days, it tastes so delicious. That's specifically the, the recovery water. Like, it, it's so telling. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, like, you have ice cream. You're like, all right, this always tastes good. But, <laughs> you know... I don't know. It's a little different. So I um, always need ice cream. Yeah. Well, that one is just food science, man. They're fucking with you, man. But then along with that, with kind of your hydration or, or some kind of recovery water, um, either a protein shake, something with carbs, and then or we go just with a meal that is kind of heavy with protein and vegetables. Yeah. Kind of whatever variety works, really. Well, I, my favorite part of this article was they recommended... You know, as like, if you're going to have like a, you're not going to be able to eat right away, then you can have a, a protein shake or some kind of drink. And they recommended that a good one is chocolate milk. So I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. That I have a website to back me up when I'm just like, I want fucking chocolate milk right <laughs> now. Just, yeah. I don't know if that, that counts just like eating stinger waffles on the couch. I feel like it's in the same thing. <laughs> dude, dude, that's a funny story. So we have a friend whose like family would just eat all of his stinger waffles and we're like, those are for writing. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they taste good. And they're just yeah. snacking on the couch. I mean, they, they do taste good, but. I mean, you don't want to be paying dollar, dollar fifty or whatever yeah. for every little snack. Um, anyway. But yeah, so for us, I'll be honest, for me, anyway, a big part of why I ride and work out, like I enjoy them, but I also just like eating a lot of food. Oh, and yeah. I don't, because when I took a year or two off of riding, didn't change my diet, and uh, that's kind of how I got 30 pounds heavier. So. But yeah, eat, yeah, riding to eat is where it's at. It's just a side perk. Yeah. I love it, dude. I just love big meals. I think today I had, what, two burritos? Delicious. They were good. But yeah, the next would be a massage, rollout, or stretching. Uh, I'm terrible at this one. I am, I'm the worst at step three. It's a big, It's a major step, man. And, you know... I don't know about you, not a pro, not getting massages. No. I do get some around the house, you know, but another thing you can do is like yoga, which kind of involves stretching, I guess. Yeah, no, yoga would definitely count. In when the... I was doing yoga for a couple weeks, you know, there I felt better. And I, and I still do it. I just haven't, it's just hard to like make myself do it sometimes. I've had to get into a routine, but it makes a difference. And, and so I usually, I kind of have like one of those foam rollers that has different little patterns on it. Um, that the kind of look lacrosse ball where you can use it to pinpoint a tight area. And then I really liked as well as a yoga strap. And I have a link on these, uh, guys on YouTube kind of show you how to do that and stretch out your legs and just the proper technique where it's not about you know how far you're doing it it's just about keeping your legs straight and you'll definitely see the difference in that when you're doing it yeah. but they do a good job of explaining it well i think for me you know when i was younger I, I took a yoga class in the summer just after work like at a community college like i just just cheap i just wanted to do it you know and uh, it's just interesting how you have to shift your mindset. I would always try to push myself and like overdo things. And it's like, what am I trying to impress all these 60 year olds? Like, I don't care. Like now it's just like stay within my means, push myself. You know, obviously I want to improve, but if I'm just not capable of doing the, you know, the way it's supposed to look or whatever, like 
There's nothing wrong. Or with yeah, that. get to a certain level of the pose where you're like, yeah. add this and add that. Yeah, my ankles have to touch on a down dog. Like, yeah, that's could be a goal, but I don't have to force it. Yeah, and for me, like any yoga class that I take or have done, it's all about like I can't do the ones that are fast and like I'm about for the stretching and the relaxation. Like that's what I want to get out of it. Yeah, dude. Speaking of, I uh, mother-in-law's been living with us and she does acupuncture, so I've been kind of getting like acupuncture recovery. Dude, you're getting side perks over here, like side perks. But she did this thing, and I have to find out what the name of it was. I think it was like Trigger, Trigger, or something like that. It's this weird massage thing where, like, they kind of focus on one part of your body. Let's just say, like, they're working on, like, your upper left back or something by your shoulder. And so they're kind of pushing on that, but then they're also, like, hitting you on the hip. So you're kind of, like, rocking back and forth. And they're like, hmm. it sounds super, like, kind of dumb in a sense, but, like, I found it to be extremely relaxing, which is, I guess, what it's designed for. But it's like you can't focus on both things at once, so you kind of just, oh, like, your brain shuts that down. That makes sense. Because so it actually I, was really cool. I think a lot of times, like, it takes me so long to relax, like, during a massage. Like, oh, I have to get one that's over an hour because you're just tense for a while, and I'm just, it's hard to, like, zone out of it. Yeah. But next thing of that, rest. I'm good at this one. Dude, I'm not a great napper. Just... I don't nap either, but I had this guy I worked with at the time mentioned a thing called the NASA nap. I guess NASA had researched what's the best amount of time to nap. Because I don't know about you, every time I tried napping, I always woke up feeling so much worse. Oh, yeah. I feel like if you take an hour or, you know, hour or two, or usually when I would take a nap, it, it would be like that length. Oh, I felt so awful, and I was so groggy and lethargic. It took me like 45 minutes to like get out of it and like actually feel good. Otherwise, I just wanted to keep sleeping. And I, I think part of that right, is like you get into a deep cycle or whatever. Yeah. But long story short, NASA naps, like 28 minutes. And so I've been doing that at work. I'll go to lunch. When you, a, you just nap and you just put your head down at your desk. I yeah. go to work. I go to sleep. It's great. I got those glasses where it looks like my eyes are open. And yeah. I just sit at my desk and I have like a, just click my mouse. No, like I'll take a lunch when it's cool out and I can just roll the windows down and take a, I put my alarm for 28 minutes. And I'm one of those people that I can just fall asleep in the 10 seconds. Oh, I hate you. And uh, well, I took a sleeping class in college. Turns out typically if that's, what happens, that means you don't get enough sleep. Mm. But I just choose to believe that I'm not that person. I'm actually just great, and I can just fall asleep <laughs> yeah. with no issues. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I can just fall asleep pretty quickly. And like the 28-minute naps, I woke up, and I didn't I didn't feel bad. So right. good on you, NASA. Got to use that research dollars for something, man. That's right. Last step, recovery ride. Mm, I love these. Yeah, I love these too much. That's my problem. Yeah, I, again, hard for me. Because it's it's hard not to be as we call it in the F zone, which is yeah. zone which F. is which is be somewhere four plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I think the only zone you have. So you know, yeah, it's just too much. Sometimes, like before, I could do that often. I was worried that that's not healthy for you. Probably isn't. But I remember like when we were riding a lot more when we were first starting to get better and and trying to improve. I went on a ride with you and I was in like. Close to 170 for like an hour and a half, just like straight. <laughs> and I was like surprised. I was like, I didn't even know I could do that. And like, so then I was like, you know what? Once a week is probably not going to kill me, but I try not to do it too much. I kind of set a limit of when I'm pushing myself super hard and like 
not to like finish a hill or, or do something like this on a regular like ride. If I'm pulling, I try to limit myself to 165 and then I'll come off and then I know it's time for me to come off of that. Dude, I can F zone for like three hours straight. <laughs> I did today. <laughs> yeah, I think overall my, I think my average heart rate today was like maybe 150, but just all the hills and descents. But yeah, there's some times where I was pushing in the 170s and I don't know. I just don't feel too comfortable doing that. All right. Well, much this... Lactic this though is is ideally an hour or less, and the main thing is staying in zone one or zone two. So the the whole idea is just to keep your legs moving, yeah, and so that you're not stiffening up, like getting you know if somebody was doing a leg workout like DOMS or something like yeah, where you're you know you're feeling that real bad leg pain the next day. So there that, was a uh, a guy I used to ride with who told me that when he does recovery rides, he's kind of like you, where it was really tough for him to turn it off. I know this is blasphemy, but just listen. He would use the small ring. Oh. And then he couldn't go too fast. Yeah, it would so force his limit. Yeah, so his, his recovery ride was forced small ring, so that way he would limit how much effort he'd actually put in. What if I just do really steep climbs so I, I used a small ring in That's that? That's something you would probably do. <laughs> Hit that like 18, 20% hill by the house. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, you know, our take on recovery. You know, a lot of it we already kind of do, and it was nice. I actually had some spare time. I read your show notes before we started, and uh, I was like, either he picked all the things that we're already doing to make me feel good, or I'm just doing mostly the right things. I think it's mostly right. I mean, if you look at the articles, that and that's where I pulled a lot of this from anyways, yeah. so... Well, it's good to know that we're not just making it up on the fly. Yeah. Or that we did and it actually is right. Yeah. Maybe. I think both of us just enjoy this type of stuff and we're always looking on how to improve. And so these sort of, you know, marginal gains or tips you can do to improve on the bike when you're off the bike, like, are, are important to us. Yeah. I'm all about that holistic approach. But now that we're, we're done with recovery, let's talk about Paris-Roubaix. So that was today. R.I.P. Not today, but it was supposed to be today. And it was supposed to rain. Yeah, that's... Um, but it didn't. Yeah, I heard it sprinkled, which doesn't count. Like I said before at the top of the show, I've never seen a live, so to speak, Paris-Roubaix that rained. So when we, we were reading the, the, the weather and, and Reddit, the Peloton Reddit thread about Paris-Roubaix being rain forecasted, I was like, I think you had mentioned it. You're like, let's, let's watch a, a, an old Paris-Roubaix where there was rain. And so you, you ended up sh- throwing out a link to YouTube for the 2002 Paris-Roubaix. 100th edition. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool edition overall, but it was kind of interesting. It was, I think it ended up being two videos. It was a couple hours, three hours or something, four hours. And uh, it was pretty cool. You know, it was Paul Sherman and Phil Liggett, so you know it was going to be good. And Phil Liggett was in his prime. That's big difference. Well, it was nice. I think the reason why he didn't make mistakes is because all the writers he names today were the writers that were in his race. <laughs> yeah. so. uh, but it was pretty cool. Like, at the beginning, there are all, all these interviews with writers. They're all hanging out by their team cars. Like, it's a different atmosphere than what you see today. Now it's, like, people in the booth, and they're talking about stuff, and maybe they interviewed someone before, and it's, like, you know, everything's too overproduced in a sense. But this was kind of cool just to see them, like, just walk up with a microphone, like, you know. And yeah, just like, talk. how do you think you're going to do today? Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was saying the one with Matt White was awesome because he sounds exactly the same. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're looking at somebody from 20 years ago or something yeah. and you expect differences and you're like, nope, 
Exact same guy. Yep, same voice has not changed a single bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so pretty cool. That was pretty nice. Yeah, overall, I thought the race was cool. You know, it's so weird to watch like older races. You know, where the bikes are so different. And like favorite part, half the people didn't even have helmets. Yeah, you just see their bandanas like in the wind going. Yeah, I would just like not worn a bandana and just have my hair just like <laughs> flowing. You know, but. Yeah, the bandana, because, like, you know, Pantani always won a, wore a bandana, and I thought it, for some reason, I just thought it was just him or something, but he just, and he has that, that earring, and he well, looks yeah. like a pirate, man. Well, that's what they called him, so yeah. it's... He over he overdid it, but yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, but it was cool, like, it was, I mean, the whole time they're they're basically talking about USPS and, and Hincapi, like, like, this is his year, and he, I think he had been in fourth a couple of times in previous Perio Bays, and you just see Boonin off in the front. Yeah. 21-year-old Boonin. First year as a pro, just like, oh, damn. You know, Boonin's here. I didn't even realize he was on Postal Service for some reason. I, I mean, mean, it was brief. He, he left quickly afterwards, we found out. Yeah, I was looking at it afterwards, and he literally broke his contract after the first year and went to Quick Step, and the rest is history. But Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool race. Like, a lot of wind. not Well, not wind, but, like, rain, and it was kind of foggy on the cameras, and, like, you know, there's dirt that, bikes and stuff. It was that like section weird. of mud where, like, the motorcycle falls, people are falling, like, they, they can't get started again because hopefully, it's too slippery. Like Yeah. Hopefully no one wants to watch this now. We're, we're going to tell you everything. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's race coverage. So it's 18 years ago, so if you didn't watch it, that's not my problem. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. No, yeah, watching them slide on the road and, like, you know, there was a big group of riders off the front, and you see all these teams. And, like, the problem for me was I didn't really know anybody. Like, even uh, everyone was talking about this guy, Museo, who's going to retire. And I'm like... That's on you. You should have known I that. I did not know that guy at all. I, the I think, Lion of Flanders? I think the 90s era of cycling, like, I just don't know that many of those riders. I mean, I don't know a ton. He was just a big one. Because, like, you know, you hear all the time about Eddie Merckx and Hino and, all, you know, all those guys. And I think that was, like, 70s and 80s. And yeah. And I think the 90s, I just, like, I don't know. I didn't know that many. And then you got the Lance era. So it's, like, that little dead spot in between. I just don't know that Well, these guys people. are two not GC guys. So I think that, yeah. I don't know if it was different where they weren't getting the same kind of recognition before, like, Boonin came up and was like made classics the great thing to watch yeah well museo was pretty boss he was 36 at the time of that and you know he's on the verge of retiring and like he's classic specialist and he's won you know peru bay a couple times and flanders three times and so he has a, this awesome you know palmar and so you're the storylines i thought were very intriguing with the interviews and everything i kind of yeah. built up the race and so I thought that was a really cool thing that I wish they would do more of in that style, kind of walking up to people and everything's handled by your PR people and it's all scheduled and it kind of takes a, it's a little bit clinical. Yeah. They like to like pepper the interviews throughout the race to, I guess, keep it interesting. Well, I do or... like that, but I guess I'm just saying I like, they can record these raw video and then put it in the segments, but it just felt more real that they were actually just walking up to yeah. people and asking questions. Like you watch him walking around behind the camera, you know, it's like, you know, they're just well, and they're just hanging out, like you're saying, by their car, like and the cars, like everything is different. Like yeah. it's there's just less built up and going on. One thing I didn't like, I didn't know how many kilometers were left. 
yeah, you know, that's the that nice thing about thing, modern. Yeah, and they would give you like a time check update every so often. Yeah. Now you see it on the screen the whole race. Yes, part of that's just being like too used to that, but they did keep you in the loop on that. But the one thing I did like though was the little graphic of like the oh the two groups the, and... yeah the different groups and it's like the one leader off the front it was one bike rider and then like when um, there was two people chasing and it was two bikes and like you know I thought that was pretty cool but uh, I do like in the modern era when they actually have the ticker on the top and overlay and you can actually see what the gaps are so that one when you there's, just turn on it there's a, a some race, nice things to it you just know so but yeah so kind of you know the takeaways from the race it was I mean I thought it was super cool. Uh, Boonin does like this amazing amount of work for Hinkapi. Yeah. And again, you know, looking back, we were talking, nobody could have guessed being 21. Like, you can't just go and support him as your leader. Sure. But he did so much work in the front and then was yeah. basically in the front the whole race. Yeah, he was in the first break at like 30K into the race. So he spent almost the entire race out in the lead or, you know, working harder than the people who are in the Peloton or whatever. And then working hard for his team leader, like, directly when the two of them go off together. Put in a ton of work. Very impressive. And I think, for me, I didn't know much about... I mean, obviously, I know who Boonin is and what he's done. I've watched him race. But, like, I didn't know how he came into the scene. Yeah. And so it was very reminiscent of, like, a Venipole or somebody. We're like... All they talked about on the commentary was Boonin, 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 Boonin. This young guy, Boonin. And, like... Now that we, you know, I obviously know how his career path went, like, he matched his, you know, ability. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, that's where he just I think, came out of the gate. I think part of it, too, they were saying just, I had didn't look at the stats before that, but that week before in the kind of classics lead-up races, he had done really well also. And so, like, they were seeing this guy out of nowhere and then obviously mm-hmm. great and in good shape and... Now they're like, and now he's doing great in this race, too. They're like, what is going on? I mean, quick trivia. What's the race the week before Paris-Roubaix? Is it the one that I can't, another one that I can't say, which is called Wiggle Gum? It's Tour Flanders. Oh, I thought you were talking about... literally one week before. Well, I thought you were talking about the the smaller ones in between. Well, you just kind of prefaced it like the races before Paris-Roubaix. I'm like... Well, they talked about... big race. (laughs) They talked about Gantt Wiggle Gum. Tour Flanders is the week before. And it's my favorite. I know that. Two best weekends of racing almost. I know. I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So my takeaways was, I kind of, like, to me, this reminded me of, like, you know, the 90s, 2000s baseball. Like, watching these people just be doped out of their skull was (laughs) awesome. Like, they were, like, so Museo ended up attacking with, like, 40K to go. And Boonin and Hincapi attacked him down and, like, were losing time the entire fucking time. And, like... Museo, 36, you know, Boonin's 21, like, Hinkapi was probably in his mid to late 20s or something. Gotta be in his prime, too. Yeah, so, like, these two guys, both coming in screaming form, and 36-year-old Museo is just, like, (laughs) crushing everybody. Because he won by, like, four minutes or something It was over three, for sure. And, like, I was like, fuck, this is what doping cycling was like? I missed out on this whole era. Because, like, you know, we had talked about it, like, I started watching, and, like, when coincidentally Lance was coming back, so 2008-ish, you know, era. Not, not nowhere near the same. Like no. watching those dudes, I and mean, even when you watch old tour clips and stuff, like those guys are just pushing it all the time. Like we say, it was just cranking out cadence and power, like not slowing down whatsoever. 40k at the limit the entire time. 
It yeah. was nuts. And the difference, too, of having these smaller range of gears on these older bikes and stuff, the guys are just massive legs and just putting out way more power. I feel like it was way harder than, than it is now because you could yeah. spin at a higher gear and there's yeah. just more of a selection available. I mean, that definitely could be part of it, too, but, like, yeah, just... I was like, dude, this guy's got to be on dope. You the know, way like, that he pulled away from them, though, and the cobble, like, he goes on the cobble section and just pulls away from everyone. You know what's sad? That's the one thing of this race I didn't see. Like, I walked away for a minute. Oh, were you? Yeah, I missed that exact moment. I heard it on the TV, but I didn't actually see it. You got rewind, man. <sighs> not, in, not in 2020, dude. All right. Be kind. Please rewind. Yeah. I don't know. I just think the doping area was probably super sweet to watch, and I kind of missed the boat. You could go back, I guess. I could. Hot tub time machine? Back to the beginning of doping cycling. Oh, I thought you were going to say hot tub. I was like, I wish we had a hot tub. That's on the list. Some recovery hot tub action would be very nice. Dude, we can record from the hot tub. We might. I'll have to figure out how to edit all the hot tub sounds. <laughs> just the bubbles. The jets. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a pretty cool race, and I think... I'm looking forward to the next time there's rain at Paris Roubaix. I'm looking forward to the next race in general. <laughs> like a Zwift race or something? Yeah. That's just, tomorrow. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we got for this week. We are going to put our heads together and decide what are we going to talk about next week? Yeah. Creativity, man. Necessity breeds creativity. I'm sure we'll have something. We could talk about the, the thing that I'm the worst at is uh, bike maintenance cut up my hand pretty good when I was trying to <laughs> trying to work on my other bike and I was like, I'll take it to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I always want like I always have too much of pride to like be the guy that shows up with a bike in parts. Well, it wasn't in parts. Everything was physically attached. Alright. We could talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll talk about that maybe. We'll figure it out. Until next week, have a good one. Alright, see ya. Welcome to this is episode fourteen. How's it doing? How's it going? I have to record this whole thing, dude. I fucking suck. <laughs> How's it doing?